I don't like the, the, the whole feel of the Seahawks defense and the boom in the Legion of Boom is missing. And that's Cam Chancellor. He is the emotional leader on the defensive side of the ball. That team, Michael Bennett has said it. Obviously, uh, Beast Mode has said it on, from the offensive side. Yeah, they got to bring him in. And, okay, if it's not 900000 then maybe 500000 front load the money, whatever you got to do. But it's time to, to, to get the family back and get it going. Now, of course, it's going to help that you've got the Chicago Bears and Jimmy Clausen coming into town and then the Lions with Jay Cutler being hurt. We'll talk about those injuries in a minute. But I didn't like the Seahawks' energy. Yeah, they were up 17-16. But, again, look, it's coming to the point where we're all going to admit and say, we've been saying it, but Aaron Rodgers might be the best quarterback, not just now, but ever. And we saw that, and he's a surgeon. But I want to ask you this. Did you, uh, what did you think about his little dig at Russell Wilson saying, I guess uh, God was a Packer fan last night? And I know what he's trying to say, just, you know, like, hey, you know, after the playoffs, Russell shouldn't have said, oh, you know, God wanted us to win or whatever. But, you know, Aaron, Aaron Rodgers kind of dry sent the humor. He kind of came, came, shots fired, came back at him. What did you think about that? I thought it was funny. I thought the little levity. <laughs> is good and you know let's not take ourselves too seriously because Russell Wilson did say God what did he say God was a was a Seahawks fan when they won that playoff game that they shouldn't have won you could argue from the Packers perspective all he had to do was take that onside kick and that was a that was an injured Aaron Rodgers in that game so the most amazing stat to me though is that Aaron Rodgers just doesn't throw interceptions at Lambeau Field there's so many quarterbacks out there that when they get in trouble will make a bad decision. Aaron Rodgers just finds a way to throw it out of bounds, to throw it at the to throw it in the ground. He just doesn't turn it over. I think he hasn't turned it over at Lambeau Field in like three years. That's crazy. You're right, Ray. And not only that, he's last year, five interceptions for them off of his wide receiver's fingertips. That's crazy. So let's keep it moving. We got to get to some of these injuries, but also some of these games. And this game and injury is bad. The Cowboys win. It was one of the ugliest football games I've ever seen, beating the Eagles. Romo injured out eight to ten weeks. No surgery needed. Broken collarbone, a clavicle fractured. Yikes. You lose your best wide receiver, then your best but only really starting quarterback on the team I I know you're 2-0 I know it's not a great division but can you guys survive this and the defense stepped up let's give them credit knocking the Eagles DeMarco Murray what two yards seven attempts for two I mean I, what's going on with Philly and the Cowboys what, what are your thoughts man so first and foremost can the Cowboys home, hang on. A lot of the media say yes. I say no. Yeah, no. Brandon Whedon and then Terrence Williams are your two best offensive players or your two most important offensive players. I mean, Jason Witten will do his thing, even though he's pretty banged up. He won't admit it, but he's got bad legs and knees and so forth. So I think the Cowboys are in a lot of trouble. The only thing going for the Cowboys is that the NFC East is horrible this year. So the Redskins finally won, so they're 1-1. One and one. Uh, Kirk Cousins actually had a great game, and your boy Matt Jones did, uh, did great. But the Giants are 0-2, the Eagles are 0-2, so that's the only thing going for the Cowboys is that they're leading a weak division right now. But I'm concerned as a Cowboy fan and even as a, as a casual observer, the Cowboys are in trouble. And I know a lot of people in the media say, oh, you know, Greg Hardy's coming back and, and uh, the rookie from Nebraska's coming back. But you know what? But he's still out four to five weeks with that high ankle sprain. I, I know. And so you haven't established the run. And Terrence Williams is a number two. And Jason Witten, to me, is uh, towards the back end of his career. And I don't think he's dynamic enough to carry you. I mean, he can contribute, but he can't carry you. And Brandon Whedon hasn't started a game in a couple years. Well, I guess he started last year for the Cowboys. But he hasn't been a material starting quarterback in years. So I'm concerned. I'm very concerned as a Cowboy fan. 
Well, you got to be more concerned if you're in Philadelphia because it's starting 2-0, and getting one, two wins in the division. That's lovely. When you have 13 rushing attempts for two yards and the Eagles' offense looks like I don't even know what and a total of negative four yards, I'm, people are coming at Chip Kelly. Folks are saying, listen, the old NFL regime – all the old coaches are like, we love it because this guy's trying to come in, do something so different, the system, the system, the system. Well, guess what? Two years ago, Shady McCoy was the number one rusher in the NFL running out of the shotgun in the system. Different offensive line. Maybe he's got rid of just too many guys. Mathis, you know, they might miss him. Who knows? But they can't run the ball. Matthews winds up with six for 80, decent game and, and a touchdown. So good for him. But Ray, I, I think number one, you have to give DeMarco Murray touches, but also you don't, if the line's not blocking well, you can't run out of the shotgun. Sometimes you just got to do I formation and run. God forbid you throw in a fullback. They've got to do something schematically. Their defense is not looking great. Is Chip Kelly about to lose control of this thing? Or can he fix it? I mean, control. He's, he's trying to be Janet Jackson. But he, he needs might to be, be Janet. But he might be Mark, Mike Martz. So Mike Martz, remember, was the boy genius who had that crazy offensive scheme under Dick Vermeil in 99, became the head coach in 2001, and really never reached that success pinnacle that he reached that year 99 when they won the Super Bowl, when the Rams won the Super Bowl. So Chip Kelly's got himself an offensive scheme and he managed to convince Jeffrey Lurie to give him the keys to the car and to run the show. And you know what? A lot of pressure on Chip Kelly right now. And you're right, a lot of people want to see him fail because he's pushing the envelope, he's doing things that are untraditional, and he's jettisoning a lot of players. And there's a lot of pushback. So I think that Chip Kelly is a targeted man right now in the NFL, and so a lot of pressure on him, and I'm not sure his system's going gonna, to gonna survive. Yeah, you're right. So let's keep it moving. We'll, we'll leave a couple of these games talk about later on in our segment for Chance and Chumps. But we got to go to the 0-2 Giants, who were the first team in history to basically in the fourth quarter be up 10 points, or the first team since like in the 50s and 30s or something to lose the game in the fourth quarter up 10. They were up 10 over the Cowboys, up 10 over the Falcons, 24-20. Eli's making some Beavis and Butthead mistakes. Tom Coffin, I don't know what's going on. The leadership, it might be time for him to go what do you think about the Giants? Can they fix this up? We'll, we'll predict the game later, Thursday night against the Redskins. And then Julio Jones, Antonio Brown, and Odell Beckham, the three of them are saying, yes, we are the best wide receivers in football. Matt Ryan, Julio, the defense, the Giants. I mean, the Falcons, Ray, 2-0, Dan Quinn got these guys balling out. Give me your thoughts. So the Falcons are good. I don't think they're ultimately for real, but I think that they're okay. They're winning games, and Julio Jones is just a physical beast. They might be real enough for that division, though, Ray, right? Real enough for the NFC South. (laughs) Well, yeah, when the New Orleans Saints lose at home to the Buccaneers, then, yeah, then uh, it's all fair game. The Giants, you know, they had no business beating the Cowboys in terms of if you looked at the game, they were – those are those three turnovers – but ultimately, the Cowboys played better. This one, this loss right now is, is really disappointing, though. Up 10 at home against the Falcons teams, it's really not that good. So, to me, the Giants have to be frustrated. And the only good thing about the Giants right now is, again, they feel like nobody in the NFC East is really running away with that division. So, the Cowboys are 2-0, and but they've got major problems. And they, they may finish last, even though they're 2-0 and right now. So I think if you're a Giant fan, you say, look, it's only two games, but these are two disappointing games. You know, 
Eli Manning is just a conundrum, right? The guy is a two-time Super Bowl winning champ, two-time Super Bowl MVP, and he's making some rookie mistakes. And he's led the league in interceptions, I think, two or three times. And you just look at yourself and you shake your head. You're like, this is Eli Manning. I mean, you take the good and the bad. It's it's frustrating. And right now he's giving you, forget the good or the bad, he's giving you the ugly, you know. And it, it's, <laughs> really, ugly. It's, just, it's really frustrating. Now let's talk about some, some, some positive things. Like I said, we'll we'll, we'll talk about, uh, you know, props to, to Winston, and we'll talk about that later in Champs and Chumps because he gets his first win in the Heisman. But then in the Heisman battle, your guy, Johnny, Johnny Manzizi, Al Toyota, 28-14, he gets his first win, the Cleveland Browns at home. You know, this was sort of like a setup because the Browns, they have more talent than the Titans. It was a perfect situation. McCown still hasn't cleared the concussions. Maybe Johnny goes another game. Look, he's he is what he is, and I think you only let him throw the ball 15 times, which is smart. You know, you curtail the offense, certain plays, 172 yards. He hits up Travis Benjamin with the bombs. You got to like that. They run the ball, Crowell doing his thing. I think he can win in the NFL if you do it the right way and limit him and let him slowly learn. He's not ready to be just a drop-back passing quarterback yet. Eight for 15 has got to get better. But the one thing I'll say this, Ray, Mariota got knocked the snot out of him all over the field. The Browns were coming and coming hard with that defense. We love their D. But this kid in the second half, they were down 21 nothing. He comes back, you know, gets the two touchdowns. 21 for 37. I, I got to say, Mariota did kind of impress me. Uh, what, 257 or 267, 257 passing. He gets the two TDs. What do you think, even in the loss, I thought it was a, a learning curve for Marcus Mariota. I really did. In some ways, winning his first game like he did is curse more than it is a blessing. So I think this game was good. I think it showed a lot of perseverance and showed a lot of leadership and a lot of moxie from a quarterback who is on a team hopefully on the rise. So I thought this was a good game by Marcus Mariota, and this is more what the NFL is all about. That first game he had, I don't think he'll have a game like that. I mean, not not because he's Marcus Mariota, but just because it's hard to have a game like that, you know, a couple of those in your rookie season. So I, I was impressed with Mariota in the loss just as much as I was in the win. No, you, you're definitely right about that. Now let's talk about Andy Dolan and uh, A.J. Green and the boys. Look, Jeremy Hill gets sort of <laughs> benched and kills people for fantasy a little bit. 24-14, a little bit of a, you know, Phillip Rivers. Remember, I said he'd hit up Stevie Johnson. But the Bengals, man, they, they're, they're 2-0. They're – they seem like they're, they're starting to get some things together, you know. Um, I, I'm not too sure about the Chargers. What's, you know, what's what's really going on? I'm sorry, they're one and one. The Bengals. I didn't mean the two and up, but they, you know. Um, but what do you think about this game? I I feel like you got to get Gordon a little bit more going. He he started to have some moments. You wanted to. He had see a great first, first half. Yeah, Mel Gordon's. So he looks like he's getting used to this NFL. Okay, they are too. He looks like he'll he'll be all right. Um, The thing that worries you a little bit: Chargers look like an eight and eight team written all over them. I mean, they just seem (laughs) like they'll they'll come out, they'll play great, and then they'll play awful. And Philip Rivers will throw interceptions, and then he'll throw for four hundred yards last week. So. I, I don't have much. But what's missing? This is the question, right? Because they have, they seem to have on the outside looking in, maybe they miss Antonio Gates, but they do have a lot of talent per se. Some good guys on the, on the defense and Corey legit. The linebackers aren't bad. You got Verrett and, 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 and Weddle in the back end. They have some players. Is it, is it more mental or scheme? I mean, what, what do you think it is? I think it's mental, and I think it's a little bit of identity because what are the Chargers? You know what I mean? Are they a running team? Are they a passing team? Are they a defensive team? Are they an offensive team? You just feel like 
they're just that California, you know, gunslinger <laughs> when we need to be, and we'll run it a little bit, and Philip Rivers is the man, and, and, and he's got the little bolos, and you know what I mean? In the NFL, you typically, at some point in the game, have to impose your will on the other team. And you have to do it in a way where they know what you're doing, you know what you're doing, and you still do it. So most successful teams in the NFL impose their will, and, and you know the identity of that team. And I don't know the identity of the Chargers. I think that's fair. Well, going on to the identity of Belichick and Brady, 40-32, to 32, valiant comeback from the Bills. But, Ray, what this was was – just a complete surgery, 466 yards of pure poetry from Mr. Tom Brady, three touchdowns. I have him in fantasy in our league. I told you going into this season, 59 attempts, goodness gracious, Ray. But I told you Brady was going to be on that mission, like in you know the season with him and Randy Moss after Spygate. He's on fire. You can't stop Edelman, Gronk. Amendola had that amazing catch. Deion Lewis is still doing things. I thought you'd see LeGarrette Blunt. Barely saw him. What are your thoughts? Can you, the Bills fans look? You, you love what you, you know. Your guy Rex, my guy, sexy Rex. He said he puts it on him. But listen, Bills fans, they they can't expect so much so fast. You had a great win week one. Shady McCoy played well. He's still injured. Percy Harvin looks good. Tyrod Taylor is playing great. But let's be honest, the Patriots, they're still the, the, the defending champs. So this wasn't a horrible loss to me for Bill's nation, Bill's mafia at all, was it? No, it wasn't. And if you're a Bill's fan, you got to think, you got to beat the champ before you become the champ. So they have another crack at them later in the year in New England. But the Patriots, though, I want to see them run the ball a little bit more and have some balance in their offense. They got a little cocky. They wanted to just absolutely annihilate the Bills. And so even when they were up, when they were in you know in the 30s, they were trying to go get 50 or something like that. So to me, you got to be smarter than that. You let the Bills get back in the game. You need to establish the run. You need to get LeGarrette Blunt back from his suspension. You need to get Deion Lewis. You need to get an identity on He's back. You've got to use him. <laughs> That's what I'm you saying, know. back into the flow. He's yeah, back, yeah. but back into the flow because, you know, in the long run, the way to play from ahead is by running the ball. And Brady's the man, but ultimately you got to run the ball. you got to figure out how to run the ball. And his two receivers are small. You know, Amendola is a small guy, and Edelman's a small guy. Obviously, Gronk's a monster. But those two are small guys. So uh, running the ball, guys, run the ball. Especially when it's you're so right. It's, it's, it's got to be something that at the end of the day, and we've seen it from them. Look, they did it last year against the Colts with Jonas Gray. And, they, you know, they've got blunt, so it's going to come. I think right now they're just, you know, they're feeling like whatever we have to do to win, we'll do it against whatever, you know, the opponent is. So two other games before we, uh, you know, get to um, – don't want to say so much, too much. I, I'll say this. Look, Minnesota, they're better than they were against the Niners in that night. They showed it. Bridgewater, AP, your man. Look, he looks great. 26, 16. They take care of them. I want to ask you about this because we'll talk about this injury. Jay Cutler, 48 to 23. Bruce Arians, some were saying he ran up the score because they didn't hire him and it looked like the Bears were going to hire him a couple years back when they took Treshman over him. But a gentleman by the name of Larry Fitzgerald Ray, three touchdowns, a first ballot Hall of Fame wide receiver, I would say. He just, he, he just doesn't – yeah, he slowed down a step. They disrespected him a little bit last year, not getting the ball. But I thought it was great to see. And my reason and the guy that I said would be the comeback play of the year, he got bisms. Carson Palmer, two weeks in a row, three touchdowns or more, had four yesterday. How impressed were you with the Cardinals and this team? This is why I'm telling you they need Cam back because let me tell you something. The 2-0 Cardinals – 
they're ready to win this division this year if they stay healthy. And Chris Johnson, over 70 yards rushing. And how bad do you feel for the Bears also, Ray? Cutler out, I think, two weeks. So the Bears are in trouble. I, I think that between Alshon Jeffrey being out and Cutler being out and the defense being suspect, Bears are in trouble. Yeah. In terms of the Cardinals, I like what Carson Palmer did. I love the fact that Fitzgerald has still got some gas left in the tank. Juice. But again, remember, remember, I told you that I haven't I mean, said Andre Ellington, but the point for me was that the Cardinals need to be able to run the ball. Again, it's coming back to running the ball. I mean, I feel like I'm 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 talking from the 60s and 70s, but I really do believe that there is this notion of balance. Running the ball does so much for you. First of all, your offensive line gets fired up. Second of all, you win time of possession. Third of all, you put the other defense in a hole so that in the fourth quarter it's easier to execute. So even though this league is all about passing and passing and scoring, and I'm all about scoring, I do think you can't forget about running the football. So all these successful teams out there, I want to see them run a little bit more. And so the Cardinals, I'm really impressed, but I think long in the long run to get success and maybe win that NFC West and go to the Super Bowl, they need to figure out, running the football, how to get, whether it's Chris Johnson, the other Johnson, uh, or it's Andre Ellington, but get that consistent running game going. Well, David Johnson took it 108 yards to start off the game. This kid is electric in the first two weeks. He's getting his touchdowns. Last two games before we uh, make the Monday night pick, just real quick, Killer Cam, the Texans, they're struggling. It doesn't matter who starts. Hard knocks, it seems like they. it's just sad. They need Foster. That team's a mess. Cam, he's Superman because, let me tell you, he's got no help, no talent, but he, he still gets things done. 2-0, and and this is without Keekly being there. But let's talk about my Steelers because you said it, Ray. You have to run the ball. Bell's coming back next week, but your man, Brown Sugar, baby, D'Angelo Williams, ran the ball. And I think the best receiver in football, Antonio Brown, nine for 195 and a touchdown. D'Angelo, three touchdowns. Big Ben gets busy. Ray, how impressed were you with my Steelers? 43 to 18. Balance, defense looking better. Come on, man. Give well, me some Tay, love. Say, I got to tell you something. I was thinking about this. I was watching his games and I was thinking, oh, my God, Tay must have that Mountain Berry Kool Aid smile. You, you know, I love Mountain Berry. I don't even like Kool Aid, but the Mountain Berry flavor. So, to me, Antonio Brown is really like a freak of nature because he's not Calvin Johnson. He doesn't have the physical size. And he's not, you know, the fastest guy in the NFL. But he's unguardable. I mean, yeah. this guy, you know it's coming, and you can't <laughs> stop him. Nope. So, I mean, you know, we use this a lot. That's Quincy Jones and Michael Jackson. I mean, that's the dream team right there. And and. Throw in Todd Haley, who's you know orchestrating from the from behind the scenes, but Ben Roethlisberger and Antonio Brown is as good as it gets. I mean, Stafford and Calvin Johnson had this for a minute, and maybe you could say Ryan and and Julio Jones have this, but but this is really poetry in motion. I mean, I love it, and to me, when you get Bryant back and and Wheaton. Uh, this this offense and and Bell of course and and Pouncey in week eight nine or ten I mean uh, wow this, this offense is, this, second this half of the season is going to be beautiful Ray it's why I picked them for the Super Bowl because look at the offensive line is already starting to gel with Cody Wallace without Pouncey when you get Pouncey back and you really you know get things rocking and rolling. I think my Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be dangerous. I might regret my Philadelphia Eagles Super Bowl pick. I was going to go Steelers-Packers, the rematch from a couple of years ago, but I, you know, I, went, I went for it, right? I went for it. So I might regret that, but, wow, I, I was more than impressed. Now, Monday Night Football, it's exciting. It's tradition. It's what we look forward to. A little extra juice on it this week for us because it's our Jets. Our, both of our second favorite teams playing against the Colts, which is no easy task. You know, look, the Colts last year started 0-2, but they made the playoffs. 
You know Andrew Luck doesn't want to do that again. T.Y. Hilton banged up, will play. Chris Ivory a little banged up, will play. It's going to be fun. Ray, I'm going to tell you this. I know the Jets, Cromartie is not as hurt as they initially thought. Probably won't play, though. But they've got Buster Screen. They've got Phil Milner. They've got some good corners. I think the Jets are really going to make this a very tough game. It looks like Fitzpatrick, he might be able to stay around a little bit longer than I thought. I thought by week five, maybe they go back to Geno. But if Fitzpatrick, if Fitzy can kind of keep it going, they run the ball, you know, blau pow, Chris Ivory throwing a little Zach Stacey, you get the tight ends going, give it to Marshall and Decker, and, and you know, maybe we get the, the draft pick going, the rookie wide receiver. You know, they could do something. I just don't think they can win this game. So I got luck. Maybe Gore does a little something, not much, but it's going to be luck. Look for Moncrief to be my fantasy stud in this game. Hope Ivory does well. I think he can run for 80 yards and a touchdown. Moncrief, 105 and a touchdown. And I think the Colts take care of the Jets, 27-23, Monday Night Football. I agree with the outcome. I think the Colts win. I think the Colts win even bigger. For some reason, I have this notion that the Colts are a an elite team. The Jets are trying to be an elite team. The Jets have the better defense. The Colts have the better offense. I just have a feeling the weather's good. Everybody's excited. You know, <laughs> summer's still in the air. Andrew Luck is frustrated from last week. He's going to take it out on the Jets. I think the Jets, even with that good defense, uh, they got a couple people. Ben Cromartie's banged up. I feel like Moncrief's a good call because he's that secondary receiver. I got my man Dwayne Allen and Colby Fleener up the middle. I have a feeling the Colts put up 31 on the Jets, and the Jets can only struggle to get 20. I think the Colts win big. Ouch, Ray. Ouch. Okay. 31-20. You know, we wish the Jets well, though. It, it should be fun, and it's always fun to see them on Monday night. You just hope they don't get embarrassed. A lot of primetime games for the Jets in the last couple of years have been pretty ugly for Jets Nation to watch. So we have Thursday night football. The Washington Redskins. I'll talk about them a little bit more later. Against the Giants. One and one against 0 and 2. The Redskins are coming to New York. This should be pretty interesting. I think Jay Gruden has got something going. I think Kirk Cousins is is not going to turn it over because he's not throwing it around like a crazy man. You've got Morris and Jones, a little nice little one two punch now running. Matt Jones, a rookie from Florida. Matt Jones. Got, you got Jordan Reed, Pierre Garçon looking good. And the Giants, it's like they're good for two and a half, three quarters. And I think the Redskins' defense might be a little underrated, Ray. I like what they did against the Rams. I'm actually going to take the Redskins on, yes, the road team doesn't normally win on Thursday night, but the Broncos did it. And guess what? The Redskins from D.C. to New York, that ain't no real traveling. It's a quick little hop, skip, and a jump, right? So to me, I hate to say it, but the New York football giants start off 0-3 on Thursday night football. Beckham does his, eh, maybe six for 80. But I think Kirk Cousins actually becomes my fantasy stud. Two touchdowns, 290 yards, no picks again. The Redskins, 26-20 over the New York football Giants, Thursday night football. So when these two teams match up, the best player on the field, his initials are ODB. (laughs) And I think he's ready for prime time Thursday night to show the nation what he's got. I can't see the Giants going 0-3. They were up 10 in both games. One game against the Cowboys, they were lucky because of the turnovers. The other game with Atlanta, they probably were 
the better team. They just didn't win. I don't see the Giants going 0-3. I think they'll figure out a way. Andre Williams had a couple good runs. Between he and uh, Rashad Jennings, I think they're fine at running back. They have ODB, to me, one of the top five receivers in the league. The Washington Redskins are just okay. They snuck up on some folks. Matt Jones is decent. Alfred Morris, I think, is, is in the long run the better running back. But to me, the Giants at home on a Thursday night are going to do just enough to win this game. I don't know that they blow out the Redskins, but they certainly win this game. I think the Giants win a close one, 27-24. I'm not mad at that. I am not mad at that. So, look, it, it, it's that time to talk about Shake Up Saturday, Ray. Were, were you not entertained? I mean, goodness gracious, it was amazing. Beautiful games. Let's get into it, but let's look at this. You know, look, it shouldn't be going down until week six or whatever when these guys meet. But the AP, the rankings are out. Ohio State won. Michigan State, folks. Yes, Michigan State. Nice win over a tough Air Force team, right, after the Oregon win at number two. Number three, Ole Miss. We'll talk about that. Beating Bama. What a jump. The largest jump this week. Then Northwestern was the second largest jump at number three. Number four, TCU. They just keep quietly winning. Baylor, five. Number six, Notre Dame. We got that wrong. We'll talk about that. Georgia Tech. Oh, they, they tried. Number seven, Georgia. We'll talk about your guy, Chubb. Another running back. LSU, big win over Auburn. Fournette, eight. Number nine, UCLA. Only moved up one, and they beat a good ranked team. Number 10, the Florida State Seminoles. Your boys, Clemson, are 11. Bama drops to 12. So let's start there. Was that a, a surprise at how far they dropped to you? And what did you think about the Ole Miss victory late Saturday night over Alabama in just a, an amazing game? And did Saban shoot himself in the foot? by starting the young quarterback first uh, instead of Coker. What'd you, what, what were your thoughts about no, that? No, I think I don't mind that move. Coker didn't play well at all uh, leading into this game. He played well during the game and led the comeback. But to me, Alabama has some issues on offense. I mean, they have those two studs at running back. And we'll talk about the SEC running backs. They're just oh, phenomenal. But Alabama has some chinks in the armor, right? And Ole Miss took advantage of it. And we kept saying this, three straight top five recruiting classes and just unbelievable talent, especially on defense, but also those big, strong, talented wide receivers, plus Ah. Kelly, the quarterback. You know what? I think this game is more about giving Ole Miss credit than taking anything away from Alabama. Alabama plays fine. It's just that Alabama, you think of them as the you know three-time national champions in the last five years, but Ole Miss, baby, the Rebels, they are doing big things this year, and they deserve all the accolades that they get. Ray, you couldn't have said it better. The only thing I'll add in there, Chad Kelly, the transfer, that's Jim Kelly, the Hall of Famer from the Bills, nephew, and, yeah, he's had some problems off the field. He seems to have it together, and it might be together to the point that Ole Miss, Ray, with Kandichi and, 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 you know, them boys, they could be a, a top-four team for the end of the season in the playoff. The, the big game coming up, I guess it's – I think it's November 13th, will be Ole Miss-LSU because those LSU Tigers, let's talk about it. You were talking about the SEC running backs. Leonard Fournette is – he's not only going to New York, and we just pray he stays healthy. He had that shot on his knee. It kind of scared me. I was like, don't put him back in the game. You know, he, he kind of got up slow, but he was okay. They put a spanking on Auburn, Ray. Auburn is not the team that I thought they would be. You thought. We, Jeremy Johnson, Charles Davis thought on our show. He said he liked them, but ouch. How good do you think Brandon Harris, LSU, their defense – how good could the Tigers be this year? Could they wind up being in the Final Four at the end, Ray? 
it's entirely possible. I mean, I, I think they still have some issues, um, especially Harris at the quarterback. Because you know left miles teams play defense, right? Yeah. So, and this kid, Leonard Fournette, is the real deal. And Oof. he is virtually – you know, the prototypical back in terms of his size, his speed, and, and he's he's nice. I mean, this guy's really, really a baller. <laughs> and he's a sophomore, exactly. He's a young man, but he's a grown man at the same time. I don't know if LSU goes all the way, but you know what? The tide is turning in the SEC. Alabama doesn't have a stranglehold over that SEC West like they used to. And the other... You know, the other teams in the SEC are coming. And we talked about, uh, what was it, uh, November 27, 28, that weekend, Auburn, Alabama. Well, guess what? That's not that exciting now. You got Ole Miss, LSU. You got some other games that are going to be more exciting than that game. But give LSU credit. They're, they're here. They're here to stay. They're going to be a top-10 team all year. So let me ask you about UCLA because – and we'll get to – fans, calm down. We will get to the Stanford game and give them props. I was just saw a little email there about that. But UCLA, Ray, they, they played against a very good BYU team. And, and remember, I almost wanted to pick BYU. I, was, I, was, I thought it would be very close. was definitely right about that. How – Rosen, I, I thought to me that was a very big win – because BYU, they weren't going away. They had the lead. UCLA sort of held on enough, fought back, and, and, and won the game. Were you surprised, you know, 24-23, you can't get much closer than that. Were you surprised that how they kind of showed that maturity and were able to sort of lock down defensively in the second half and then come back and, and, and win that game? At the end, UCLA Bruins, uh, you know, they were 10 and, you know, moved up a little bit to nine against number 19, BYU. I was surprised because Rosen is a young guy, and he had a bad game. He threw three interceptions and really almost cost himself and his team the win. But you know what? There were, what, I think there were three 200-yard or four, almost four 200-yard runners. I think it was some, you know, the Notre Dame kid and, and, and this kid Perkins. 219 yards on 26 carries. Not only that, but Starks had 81 yards on seven carries and a touchdown. So UCLA put up almost 300 yards running the ball, which definitely saved Josh Rosen's butt because he didn't play very well at all. So, if I think the BYU team confused them a little bit, though, too. Give BYU credit. They're defense. Fair enough. No, no, that's fair enough. And you know what? Give them credit. But UCLA, you want to be a top-10 team at home, you got to beat BYU. And it took a 14-6 fourth quarter to win the game. But you know what? You win and move on. So if if the glass is half full, you think to yourself, all right, you know what, Rosen, the young kid, played a bad game, but we picked it up running the ball. And we held a decent BYU team to 23 points. So, you know what, you're still happy if you're a UCLA fan. Definitely. Well, let's uh, move it on real quick. UCLA, I mean, USC, wow, you got to give props to Hogan, 41-31 over USC, you know, it was like a shootout. And then, real quick, tell me how impressed were you with Notre Dame? That was a, a big win over Georgia Tech, a very tough team to play, and ProSize and uh, Fuller just dominant, 30-22. So, very impressed with Notre Dame. We both thought that Georgia Tech would win. We thought that this option offense would give Notre Dame problems, but I guess Notre Dame – watched enough tape, and did their thing. And their kid, Deshaun Kaiser, played great in his his start and his debut. But you know what? When you get a running back that gives you 198 yards and three touchdowns, life is a lot easier, right? So give the Notre Dame offensive line credit. They ran the ball. They did to Georgia Tech in a different way, right? But they did to Georgia Tech what Georgia Tech does to you, which is basically run the ball, set the tempo running, and then 
play action off of that and, and pass off that. So Notre Dame, we need to look at them a little bit closer. They are better than we thought, and yeah. they deserve you know the, the, their top ranking. So before we get to our segment, Champs and Chumps, real quick, got to feel heartbroken for the field goal kicker for Texas. They make that, that oh, comeback. They were down awful. two scores, Ray. They lose 45-44. He misses the extra point. Uh, Charlie Strong, the, the Texas alum, everybody must just be. That, that's a rough, rough way to lose. To Jared Goff, who, to me, him and Connor Cook, let's not even talk about Christian Hackenberg again from Penn State. It's all about Connor Cook and this kid, Jared Goff. He's the real deal at QB. Very, very impressed with him, Ray. So let's start with Champs and Chumps, our segment. We haven't done it in a, in a minute. We're going to get back to it. Let's start off with the champs. Ray, I'm going to let you go first. Who were your champs of the sports weekend? So you know what? It's week two in the NFL, and you got to talk football. <laughs> and, you know, there's a franchise out there that really has been the doormat of the NFL for years. They went to the Super Bowl in 2002 and lost to the Tampa Bay Bucks, and ever since then they've been terrible, and that's the Oakland Raiders. The black hole isn't what it used to be, but it was on Sunday. So your boy Derek Carr had himself a huge game, 351 yards, three touchdowns. Latavius Murray did okay, 65 yards on 15 carries. But you know what? They beat the Baltimore Ravens and sent the Ravens to 0-2. Now, Ravens have some issues, but you know what? They're still a perennial playoff team. And Flacco, Forsett, uh, Steve Smith, you know, they've got some players on that team. But you know what? The Oakland Raiders score 37. I wouldn't have predicted the Oakland Raiders scored 37 at any point this year, but they scored 37. And kudos, Rick Carr, 30 for 46, 351, three touchdowns. The black hole, I don't want to say the black hole is back, but I'm saying that the Oakland Raiders look like they might be respectable. And my man, Amari Cooper. Caught himself his 68-yard touchdown. And Michael Crabtree coming over from the other side of the bay. They both had 100 yards. Now that is a recipe for success if the Oakland Raiders can keep that up. So kudos to the Oakland Raiders. You're my champs of the weekend. Big things in Oakland, 37-33 over the now 0-2 Baltimore Ravens. I got to go to D.C. and my champ are the Washington Redskins, 24-10 over the St. Louis Rams, who after they beat Seattle, everybody was talking to Rams, Rams, Rams. Well, now you got something new to talk about. You have to talk about the Redskins' defense, holding Sam Bradford, I mean, Sam Bradford, right? Nick Foles to only 150 yards passing. Their running game, Matt Jones on 19 carries, dropping 123 and two touchdowns. You still have Alfred Morris, who came in almost with 60 yards, 59 yards. And shout out to our guy, RIP, Stuart Scott, Kirk Cousins, who was cooler than the other side of the pillow. 23 for 27, no interceptions, gives you a touchdown, 203 yards. And, yeah, game manager, but he was just managing just – the whole situation. You're not going to remember RG3 in Washington anymore if he keeps playing like that. Throw in Jordan Reed is, is alive and well, folks, at tight end, six receptions, 82 yards, and my man Pierre Garçon, who treated me right in fantasy, got six, only for 23, but he got, he got in the end zone. You get those six points, he got the touchdown. So I'm pretty impressed, and to be honest, to lock the Rams down to 10 points and make the Rams look like, I mean, nothing. That was pretty impressive. And it was, to me, worthy of saying the Washington Redskins and props to Jay Gruden. He said, we lost that first game, but we played right and played better. And, you know, they were close with the Dolphins. That we're on the right track. Well, guess what? You're the champs of the week. And, yes, you're on the right track, Washington. 
All right, well, let's go negative because if there's a champ, there's also a chump. <laughs> and to me, the chump, if you consider yourself an elite team, you have to beat the teams that you need to beat, especially at home. But th- this game was on the road. But you got to think, if you're the Miami Dolphins, you bring in Dominic Sue over, you have Ryan Tannehill growing into a decent quarterback, you've got yourself a set of wide receivers, you've got yourself a running game, you hope, and you've got yourself a defense, you need to win. You need to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars. You had a chance yeah. to go 2-0, and match the Patriots, lead this division, and you go into the in-state rival and lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh. And I'm going to kill that offensive line. They were 16 for 42 running the ball. Lamar Miller, their top rusher who everybody thought would be you know, uh, in fantasy, a uh, first, second round running back, ten rushes for fourteen yards. I don't like him. I'm going to repeat that: ten rushes. So, first of all, you didn't rush the ball enough in a close game, and for one point four yards a carry, terrible, just unacceptable. This is why you know the Miami Dolphins are not ready for prime time. They're not ready to be elite. And I'm very disappointed if you're a, if you're a Redskins I'm sorry if you're a Dolphins fan. Ryan Tannehill played fine. He did his thing, but to me, you got to go into Jacksonville and beat the Jaguars. I'm not a fan of the Jaguars. T.J. Yeldon, I mean, he's their best running back. Blake Bortles, Blake Bortles actually played fine. I think it was the receivers that killed him, right? Robinson and Hearns, even Marcus Lee, Marquise Lee got like a little bit of action. But you know what? You got If you're elite, you got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, and 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 big chumps of the week for me, the Miami Dolphins. And props to T.J. Yeldon getting his first touchdown. A lot of rookies got their first touchdowns this weekend, so good for him. Well, my chumps, without a doubt, they 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 blew the eliminator for I mean everybody last week who most people picked the Saints. It was the most sort of, you know, favored win to pick all week. Drew Brees, he hurts the shoulder. He's probably – we haven't got a date. He'll probably be out a couple of weeks. We're not sure. He might try to fight through it. But what they're not doing is fighting on the field. Now, yes, he had his 258, 56-yard, 55 yards, but it wasn't impressive. 24 for 38, touchdown, a bad interception. And to me, the Saints – there's something missing. When Ingram, he gets you only 53 yards, you get, uh, you know, 48 from uh, Kyrie. C.J. Spiller comes back. They, you know, he didn't do much. They don't know how to use him yet. You know, three carries for seven yards. But to me, Rob Ryan has got to be thrown to the stones or something because you can't lose at home to this team. They don't get Brandon Cooks going enough, um, not really using, you know, Colston the way they should. It was a bad loss. They've lost six in a row in the Superdome, Ray, a place where that hasn't happened since 1980. This was the place that was rocking, helped, you know, emotionally lift up New Orleans after Katrina. Well, now it's not a home field advantage at all. And they're looking bad. And Drew Brees is not getting it down the field. On its completion, it's only 6.7 yards each completion. It's not looking pretty. You give props to Winston. He only gets 200, you know, over 200 yards passing. He gets a touchdown. No picks, though. And Doug Martin went, you know, did his thing. The Saints could not get off the field when they needed to. And the interception from Breeze was costly and timely. 24, 26 to 19. And you cannot lose a home game to the Buccaneers in the division if the Saints are serious about winning this NFC South and potentially making the playoffs. So for me, Sean Payton and Breeze, and especially Rob Ryan and that defense, you are my chumps of the sports weekend. 0-2, Saints. 0-2. Yikes. Turn around. So MLB, Ray, the playoffs are here. It's coming. Two weeks left in the season. Our Yankees are facing the Blue Jays in a big series. They got two out of three from the Mets. Look, 
that's almost wrapped up. If they can sweep the Blue Jays, they have a shot, but they're two and a half back. I think the real issue with what we're seeing in the playoffs and baseball is going to come down to can the Astros hold on to that second wild card or could Minnesota, you know, being two back in the lost column and the Angels two back catch them? I don't think so. I think the Astros will do it. Before we get to the NL, what are your thoughts as we're closing in at the end of the, um, of the American League? I think what you said is right. I believe that the Blue Jays are going to hold off the Yankees. The Royals are a sure thing. The Rangers are going to hold off the Astros, even though I've been banging the table for the Astros, the Astros, the Astros. And you're going to have a Houston-New York playing game. I'll be there. <laughs> Sign me up. I'll take, I'll take that. Sign me up. And then the match, you know, Harvey – Look, he, he pitched great. As soon as he left, they jumped all over him. Yankees had a good weekend over the Mets, but look, the Mets, they're not worried about that. They got their division wrapped up. Them, the Cardinals, the Dodgers, really the NL is, is basically set. We're just going to see, you know, how it plays out. It's only a game, but two games back, the Cubs are the Pirates. There's a slight shot that maybe the Cubs – could, you know, get home field advantage against the Pirates. I don't see it happening. So, and the Cardinals will hold on. Pirates are down four games. So that that's pretty much set. We'll see the Pirates hosting the Cubs. I guess the winner will probably go to the number one seed, St. Louis, uh, unless they're worried about the division. I don't know if they still do that anymore. And then you'd see the Dodgers against the Mets. So I don't know how they do that in the playoffs. Because remember, you couldn't play – team from your own division so i don't know if that's no no it's free no no it's it's it there's no restriction anymore okay so the cardinals will play the winner of the pirates cubs and then Mets dodgers i mean that could be the best series out of them all because it's pitching against pitching and it's just classic right brooklyn dodgers left you know they come over you know the mets it's new york it's la it's everything this baseball playoffs ray it's got a little bit of everything in it You've got, you know, the, the traditional baseball powers. You've got teams that haven't made it for a while. You've got the I-90 potential series, the potential subway series, the Cubs. This is, uh, is going to be juicy. Uh, You've got to be pretty hyped up as baseball is coming to an end, aren't you? You're absolutely excited. You know, not only are there some traditional teams in there like St. Louis and the Dodgers and, you know, the Yankees, there are some teams that – our new up-and-comers. So the Royals were there last year, one game away from winning. But the Mets are fun to watch. The Blue Jays haven't been there since 93. You know, so we've got some teams that are the Cubs have taken a while to get back on track after the, the Astros came and took over. Low. The Astros, Low. right? As I, was, I was leading up to that. Those guys are, have been terrible for years. So this will be a very fun MLB playoffs, and I like the teams because they each have a story. So I won't hold. I won't hold you to it. We'll make our picks when the postseason comes. But you had to pick it today. Just tell me who would you place in the World Series? Oof. So the the, the Blue Jays can hit, but I think the Royals can pitch, and they have a great combination. So I, I like the Royals from the American League. And then from the National League, I got to tell you, I like the Cardinals, but you know what? Granke and Kershaw, to me, even though Mattingly gets a lot of slack for that Dodgers team and, and their hitting's been inconsistent, I just like that that one, too. So I, I like the Dodgers and the Royals. Ooh, interesting. You know what? It'd be hard for me to disagree, but I just am so impressed with what the Cardinals are doing. And in American League, I think the Blue Jays are just, they've got something going. I might miss Troy for a bit, but Cardinals, Blue Jays, right now, if I had to pick it, that that's where I would go. That's where I'd go. It's a, uh, woof. Well, look, right, it was a great show. Yeah, great show. We got Monday Night Football, Ray, a great uh, sports week. We talked about the Thursday game, Redskins and Giants. 
let's go. Let's go, Jets. We both picked the Colts tonight, but let's go, Jets. J E T S. Jets, Jets, Jets. I'd love to see Chris Ivory run for one ten. Eric Decker score a couple touchdowns. Brandon Marshall a couple touchdowns. And pff, Jets, baby. But. I have a sneaky suspicion that Andrew Luck is going to do big things tonight. Frank Gore might show up. Let's see. Well, listen. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you on Friday. Have a great sports week.